We thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Kurandaria Shia Handaya. Karatashia Handaya Sikhiriandaya Rabosia Handaya. Kurandaria Rabosia Handaya Sikhiriandaya. Kurandaria Shia Handaya Rabosia Handaya. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord is saying, this is a day of heaven on earth. <clears throat> these, of the, these are the days of heaven on earth, where heaven will come down and not just visit earth, but heaven will bring a constant infusion of divine life unto the earth, says the Lord. And the Lord is saying, be attentive to what my spirit is speaking. Be attentive to my word. Be attentive to my heart cry and my heart beat, says the spirit of the living God. For I will reveal to you things and bring understanding to you, great understanding, that you have no, you have no, um, earthly way of knowing these things that I will reveal to you but they will be be revealed by my spirit this is the day the spirit of wisdom and revelation is visiting my people in a great number says the Lord and so I am planning that heaven would come down and visit you and that it would rest and abide there with you forever says the spirit of the living God know that in this day in this time in this hour my plan is that you not lack in any good thing says Lord let not your heart be troubled and let not your mind be uh, troubled but be at ease and be at peace in all of your members says the spirit of God for surely my spirit is visiting you and visiting the earth with great power great knowledge great understanding and in great revelation of me says the Lord and and, uh, I will appear to many on the earth says the spirit of God and I will make visitation to my bride once again Again, says the Lord, and I will establish you as my people in the earth, says the Lord. And so rest in that. Uh, there's nothing you have to do. There's nothing on your part to do except only believe. Only believe. Have I not told you in the past? Only believe, says the Lord. And these things will come to pass just as I have spoken them, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is saying, I am taking over every medium, every airwave, every uh, communication system, says the Lord, of taking over the Internet and social media, all of that, says the Spirit of God. I am taking over that and making those airwaves my platform, says the Lord, for freedom to express your love for me is is flowing in the earth even now, says the Lord. Catch the current of the freedom of expressing your love for me and preaching the gospel, says the Spirit of God. And be no more ashamed, says the Lord, and be no more like the hidden church, says the Lord, but be bold in your declaration, be brave in your love for me, and be strong in my might, says 
the Spirit of the Lord. For I have many places for your voice to go and many places for your voice to carry. And they it will carry because my power is riding on every medium, every airwave, every uh, source of communication, says the Lord. For it, things are set up now for my great comeback, says the Spirit of God. For I am coming back in great power and great glory, great mercy, great love, great anointing. The greater, greater, greater is moving in the earth even now. And it is increasing and it is swelling and it is bursting forth wherever I have a people who will yield to me. So always be attentive to me, says the Lord. Understand this. You don't have any problems. You don't have any worries. You don't have any regrets, any fears. All things of the past life must be swept away, says the Lord, in order for you to enjoy and participate in what I have for you. For surely I have chosen you for this time. Surely I have chosen you and I chose you knowing who you were and I called you to be who I want you to be, says the Lord. So know that the transformation process is ongoing. It is working in you even now, even when you sleep, even when you're awake, even in times when you're not asking me to do these things, I do them, says the Lord. And so this is my hour to perfect my bride, to be what I called her to be in the earth for my glory and my purpose, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Kurandariya shia handaya. Kuratashia handaya sikiri handaya. And the things that are false, says the Lord. I know that some of you are bothered by that. Not much, but it does bug you still some. The false things that continue to occur and, and continue to seem to have such freedom of expression, says the Lord. Uh, the, uh, the, the, my, I just, thus saith the Lord, these things are, are only ghosts. They're shadows. They're paper tigers. Uh, they have no form. They have no life. They have no substance, says the Lord. And they will fade away as the dust, Lord, says the Lord. They will be blown away as the shaft from the wheat, says the Spirit of God. And they will be no more. So fret not about these things because it, why would you fret about something that has no life and no power? These things are totally powerless against the power of my kingdom, says the Lord. And that's where I want you to abide in the real, not the false, in the true, not the, the lies, in, in my word, and not uh, a, um, a fictitious thing and not a made-up thing, uh, not religion. Uh, just abide in my word, says the Lord, and my word will abide in you, and you'll be able to do everything that I've called you to do, says the Spirit. It's my power, and I give it freely to those who seek. So just continue to seek me, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, Lord. Let's just worship the Lord a little bit where you are. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name, Jesus. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. We honor you. We love you. We magnify you. We extol you. Lord, we lift you up. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. 
You're worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised and adored. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We magnify you. Thank you, Lord. We extol you. We lift you up, Jesus, and we praise your holy name. We praise your holy name, Lord God. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for stirring our hearts, Lord. Thank you for stirring the people to expect more from you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. To expect you to do what you will in our midst, Father. We invite you to do what you want to do in our midst, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We praise your holy name. Praise your holy name, Jesus. Praise your holy name, Jesus. Praise your holy name, Jesus. We bless you. Praise you, magnify you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Yes, we praise you, Lord. Yes, we love you, Lord. Yes, we bless your holy name. We praise your holy name. Yes, we bless you and we praise your holy name, Jesus. We praise your holy name. Praise your holy name, Jesus. We praise your holy name. We adore you, Lord. Magnify you. Extol you, Lord. We lift you up. 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 You're worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. Worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Worthy is the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth to receive all blessing and glory and honor and power and praise. Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We glorify you, Lord. We lift you up, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised and adored. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. 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 God. We bless you, Lord. 
We praise you, Jesus. We magnify you. We extol you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We praise your holy name. Praise your holy name, Jesus. We praise your holy name. We exalt you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Yes, we bless you, Lord. Yes, we bless you, Lord. Yes, we bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, we bless you. We glorify you, magnify you. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. Worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We lift you up, Jesus. We lift you up, Lord. We lift you up. We lift you up. We lift you up. We lift you up and we praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name. Praise your holy name, Jesus. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for touching every heart here. Thank you, Lord. Touch every heart here, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let nobody leave here the same that they came. Thank you, Father. We are changed in your presence. We bless you and we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. (laughs) I almost don't want to talk in this atmosphere. Amen. It's beautiful. Yeah. God said that if we would praise him more, he would do more. Amen. That's what we want. We want God to show up and do what he wants to do. Amen. We always need more of God. Always. 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 
always need more of God. Why don't you just, in your heart or personally between you and God, just lift up whatever offering you want to offer Him. What, what I mean by that, just if you want to say thank you, Jesus, if you want to request in this atmosphere, it's an atmosphere that's charged with the possibilities of God, with the anointing of God, with the faith of God. It's not just normal faith sometimes that abides with us, but it's that faith that uh, is, is makes it easy to express yourself to Him and easy to receive. And so uh, it, it's a good time now if you have something on your heart that you want to release to the Lord, just lift that up to Him. If it's a request that you have for something, or if you just want to say thank you for the things that are coming, the things that have been, and the things that you have your hope into, uh, it's a good time to just begin to express that before God. And Father, we thank you to hear our requests, hear our prayers. We lift up our needs, Father. We lift up our need for you. We lift up our need for peace, for understanding, Father, for reconciliation. Father, we lift up our need for uh, teaching and understanding, clarity. Thank you, Father, as we humble ourselves before your throne, that nobody would leave this throne room empty-handed, but that they would receive what it is they ask for. So this everybody lift up your hand and grab it and receive it just as a prophetic move of receiving what you have asked for from God and know that it's yours. Amen. Know that it's yours. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So we're going to continue with uh, our Azusa stories from yesterday. I thought it would be good. Uh, some of you weren't here yesterday, but we were reading from uh, a book by a, uh, a man by the name of Tommy Welchel. Uh, his videos are on Facebook, uh, not Facebook, but YouTube. Hopefully you've had an opportunity, some of you, to look them up. If not, please do so. Uh, because they are very powerful, uh, we heard, we understand from yesterday's information that we shared, he is probably around 77 years old right now, but for 40 years he had to not tell any of the stories that God had commissioned him to tell about the Azusa Street Revival that started in around 1906 and went to about 1910. And so um, this revival was, uh, uh, I would say, led by a man by the name of William Seymour, uh, who was an African-American gentleman <clears throat> that he was shut out of uh, some churches, a church where God sent him to learn and to hear about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he was a man of hunger, uh, deep hunger for the things of God. And we found out yesterday that that hunger was fulfilled. 
isn't that true of God's word? He said, those of you, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be fulfilled. And so Brother Seymour had a, uh, uh, was, uh, started preaching. He was invited out to California. Uh, the woman that invited him, when he, she found out he prayed, a, preached about tongues, she kicked him out of the church. And a gentleman that had been observing, his ministry invited him to come and, and preach at a prayer group. And he had uh, about 20 prayer groups around the city of Los Angeles. They were all praying for revival. And so as, as Brother Seymour progressed from one area to the next in L.A., he wound up being able to, uh, at the um, help with the help of the body of Christ, to rent uh, the uh, uh, warehouse slash church slash stable his building had been used for many different purposes and god would have day and night outpourings of his spirit at that place because of one man's obedience and humility to seek god above all other things and so when god wants to do something mighty in the earth he has to find somebody who is willing to be obedient to him and do whatever he tells him to do no questions asked and so it's amazing though the benefit to millions of people that can come from the obedience of one person and so this this is kind of like the where you say is it worth it thing oh absolutely you know so if you if you love god it's absolutely worth it and so um, we're thankful that he did that because uh, we don't have to pray in tongues in a corner anymore we can freely minister the holy spirit to uh, people who are seeking uh, there are many accounts of different uh, groups of people that migrated to this country uh, over the centuries. Many of them were religious uh, people who were persecuted because they prayed in tongues. Many of them were murdered, uh, hanged, slaughtered uh, just because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So be thankful, amen, that that that. Because as the power grows, the people who have the power can resist the enemy's onslaught against them. And we have something to fight back with. And so it's very, very important that we consider these things precious because they are. Sometimes if they seem to come too freely and we don't know the history of how these things were fought for, we won't really appreciate them too much. Amen. Like our freedom. I look at young people in this country today and I wonder what the world are they talking about? They have known nothing about racism. They don't know anything about people I can remember going to jobs to be interviewed and I, I grew up during the sixties and, and I can remember seeing behind my back people tearing up applications, putting them in the waste can. When they had hired a white classmate of mine for the same job, they told me they didn't hire people. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm not bitter. It never held me back. It's not pleasant, but God taught me to forgive. It's like he's teaching all of us to forgive. Amen. Because people are ignorant. They just do what they believe what they're told many times. They're godless people many times. And they're not not people to despise or to waste time being hateful toward or to uh, let your life be consumed with hatred because of it. We're not victims. We're victors in Christ. Amen. And so we have to really rely on God because the enemy is going to throw everything he can at us to stop this move of God. Amen. 
going to try to sidetrack you with feelings. You know, all this church hurt stuff, that stuff has got to be forgiven and you move on. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you don't stay away from God's people because you got hurt by them. You understand what I'm saying? Put your feelings away. Next church you get to, put your feelings away and you won't get hurt. <laughs> we don't live by feelings, we live by faith. <laughs> So, if Brother Seymour can do it, look at the reward God gave him for his obedience and his humility. So there's evidence here that God is an overcoming God. And he taught Brother Seymour how to listen to his spirit and be obedient to him. And everything else kind of fell in place in his life. So yesterday we talked about how uh, Brother Tommy came to be at this place called Pisgah. In Los Angeles, it's a retirement community, and the saints who were at Azusa Street built this retirement community so they could go there and continue their traditions, continue their stories, continue to pray for the sick. Now, they didn't have the power, same degree of power they had during the Azusa Street revival, but they still kept remnants of it because they were still anointed. How many of you know, unless God lifts the anointing for for some reason, if you paid the price to carry it, he pretty much will continue to use you. So they prayed for the sick there. They got people saved and healed. They had a a, a church there, well, you know, where they would have regular church services. They had prayer every day for at least an hour every day, uh, all of them in that chapel, and then they had their regular church services. So it was ni- a nice little Christian community, but the thing they had in common was that they had all been children uh, during the Azusa Street Revival, and they were all used of God. Uh, t- Brother Tommy Welchel uh, describes himself as one-third Cherokee Indian on his father's side, one-half on his mother's side, He's got, um, I guess, Irish, German, and some other Caucasian, and he's like 152nd black. And so he just, he's from everywhere. You got me? But he said because of his Indian, strong Indian, uh, heritage, he, he said many people in his, his family, uh, pointed him out, uh, as being gifted as a keeper, what they call in their, uh, um, uh, in their culture, a person is called a keeper. And it's a person who is gifted uh, to have a great memory, a great capacity to remember details, facts, and history of that people. And uh, now there, there are some other, like in the uh, African culture, that person is called a griot. They were G-R-I-O-T, I think is this French spelling. But they were people who were historians where they could go back many, many centuries and tell the history from one point all the way down to the present time. And so because Tommy was gifted as a keeper, he was given the task at Azusa Street of going around visiting all of these people and listening to their stories for a a mental recording of them so they were in his mind. He actually was sent there by God because many of the people told him after he got there that they thought he was the one. 
And remember he said Tommy Hicks prophesied to him. No, it was Branham. When he met him, he said, you're the one. And so the one what? Well, they had been praying for somebody to come who they could tell the stories to who would keep them in their memory and then recall them at a time where God would see fit. And so Tommy is as unlikely a person as he was. He was running from the law when he came there. And uh, he was homeless after a while after he got to California, uh, wound up being the one. Uh, they prayed for him to receive the Lord. They embraced him as a brother, and he became a part of their community from the years 1960 to 1966. And so he was always uh, available to them. He developed strong relationships the people who had been teenagers during the revival were now in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And so he would sit and listen to their stories, and they would tell him their stories. He would always wonder when he would get to tell the stories again. He said the Lord appeared to him uh, and spoke to him and told him that the time was not now, but to be patient and be obedient and the time would come. Well, there was a 40-year span between that visit from the Lord and when God released him to begin to tell these stories. It coincides with the 100-year anniversary of Azusa Street where Brother Seymour, uh, Sister Etter, and uh, one more person, Parham, I think, all prophesied that a 100 years from that time, this was prophesied in 1910, they spoke that a 100 years from that time, God, another revival would start, and this one would never stop until the coming of the Lord. So there are many of us who believe for many years about the what they call the end-time revival or the end-time outpouring of the spirit uh, we know it's going to be big we know it's going to be wonderful we know it's going to be powerful but we also don't know when where and how is going to come forth and so they prophesied that this would not be located in one place but it would come through many different places where god would begin to spring forth uh his with his spirit and i think if we have faith for it we believe god for it we want to be a part of it we pay the price to be a part of it, and that is living a holy life before God. I mean, it's, it's not really that hard uh, to live a life of obedience to God and expect him to fulfill his word. And so that's that's one thing that, that I know that God's given us as a mandate in this ministry. We're not just churchgoers. We're not just showing up week after week in just business as usual with no vision, no plan, no uh no no force to what we're doing, and uh, almost no purpose and no reason sometimes, you know. And so uh we're headed towards something. Amen. And that something is here. It's it's always here in a measure. And so we want to to move out of the way so God can freely pour out his spirit the way he wants to do, uh, and, and bring souls into the kingdom out of this terrible world that many people are trapped in. There are people crying out now for relief. They're crying out for mercy. They're crying out for justice. They're crying out for many, many things. And so God is hearing their cry and he is answering them. Amen. And he does it through his people, the church. 
who know their master, know who they are, and are obedient to him in in these ways. And so we went over a few stories yesterday about the events at Azusa Street and some of the people that participated uh, who told Tommy their stories. So uh, we're going to, uh, he's going to introduce us to a couple of more people that we'll talk about. These are um, Brother Stein's and bro- oh, Brother Signs and Brother Christopher. Their Azusa Street ages were 26 and 18. So they were 26 and 18 years old during the Azusa Street Revival. Said Sister Carney and Brother Signs were the best of friends and spent many hours in the gardens at Pisgah talking and reliving Azusa mem- memories. He endearingly recalled Sister Carney as the ringleader of it all. Directing the going on, directing the goings on in the warehouse. Naturally, their conversations would turn to Seymour and how he was unpredictable. Once he took the box off his head, God surely would move mightily through him. But how? Who? Who would be healed? How would it happen? Would fire light up in the sky again? So there was a lot of excitement and anticipation about what God was going to do. People weren't looking at their watches waiting for a time to go home. Now, if it's shady where you are, let's repent, amen? Because it's got to be that way, folks. God won't visit where he's not welcome, amen? Welcome means he has our full attention. It doesn't mean we're waiting on church to be over so we can move on to the next Nothing going on in our lives. Amen. He says, one thing was certain. There would be music. Seymour would stand up and instruct the people to sing a certain song. Hundreds of voices blended their way up to heaven. Seymour would sit and sing with them, his eyes closed, as if the music itself were a holy offering to God. Soon after the singing started, Seymour would say, sing in the spirit. Whenever that happened, heaven itself came down and filled the room. The music was beyond description, pure, powerful, sanctified. These melodies became known as a new song. As the crowd began to sing in a heavenly language, sometimes in tongues, sometimes without words, at times it seemed as if angels joined in the singing of the new songs led by the Spirit of God. Although singing in the Spirit was already a part of many of the services, when Brother Signs and Brother Christopher became part of the leadership team, the music reached deeper into heaven. With the addition of piano and violin, the newly heaven, the new heavenly song went beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary. Brother Signs was about 26 years old when he came to the Azusa revival in about 1907. He was a bit older but still quite young to be a part of the leadership team that led the services. I met Signs at Pisgah in 1960. I stayed in a three-story men's dormitory where Signs was dormitory director for all the single men staying at Pisgah. He stood about five feet nine inches tall and was heavy set but not obese. When I met him, he walked stooped over a little bit but didn't use a cane. I can still see his receding hairline, about a third of it gray, his dark eyes, and a good-sized nose. Like the others, I would go to Brother Sign's room about once a month. I would sit at his feet, and while munching on 
chocolate chip cookies and drinking cold milk, right? <laughs> Listen to his stories about Azusa. He had a mild, pleasant voice and spoke softly. And like the others, I had a, a deal with signs that I would come and clean his apartment if he would tell me his stories. True to my word, I would first mop his floors with a dry mop and then with a wet mop. The floors were covered with linoleum. Y'all don't even know what that is. So <laughs> so they were easy to clean. When I was finished, we would sit down and signs would tell his stories. A concert pianist who later worked with the well-known band leader named Tommy Dorsey. You don't know who that is either. Brother Signs was all about music and finally recalled his, his role in the music at Azusa. Seymour would lift the box from his head and often ask Signs to begin singing a certain hymn or song. At first, Signs would begin the song and lead the crowd in singing the request of Seymour. Later on, Signs brought his own piano to the meeting place. Then, when he was instructed to sing, he would begin playing the songs on his piano and leading the music. Without sheet music or hymnal, whatever song Seymour wanted, Signs would sing and play the song from memory. He told me, Tommy, I'd sit and watch my fingers move, and it sounded like a thousand pianos playing. The other saints also said that many times it sounded like a thousand pianos playing. It makes me think of Revelation 5.11. I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Signs recall with joy the experience of singing in the Spirit. He remembered that virtually every time Seymour instructed them to sing in the Spirit, something wonderful and beyond understanding would happen. The music would would rise to a new level, and the south that came the sound that came from Azusa was like a heavenly choir singing. I asked Brother Signs about the miracles at Azusa, and if he personally was ever involved in them, he would smile and, in a soft voice, begin to share with me his first and favorite miracle. Seymour had not yet come down to the meeting. Signs was on the platform leading the crowd in songs when he saw a young cripple boy on crutches sitting off to the side, unnoticed by those going about the crowd performing miracles. Signs came down from the platform, approached the young boy, and asked him why nobody was ministering to him. The little boy shrugged his shoulders with a kind of I-don't-know shrug and said, I'm just waiting for someone to come over and pray for me. Signs asked the child, do you believe that God is going to heal you? The boy, with a look of anticipation on his face, said, why, yes. Signs took the crutches from him, laid them down on the floor, and then laid hands on the boy and prayed for him. At first, nothing happened, but then the boy began to exclaim, I feel it, I feel it. He leaped to his feet, dancing and running and shouting with signs right behind him. The next miracle that Brother Signs described to me actually came looking for him. An old gentleman who could barely walk hobbled up to him one day while he was still playing the piano. He called him by his first name. Charles, he said, Brother Signs looked up, looked up. He said, I have crippling arthritis. The man showed him his hands. They were swollen and gnarled. Brother Signs talked with the man and found out he had played the piano for a star-studded church in Hollywood called Hollywood Presbyterian Church. Of the 7,000 members, there were celebrities of the day such as 
Dale Evans and Roy Rogers. Ever heard of them, y'all? Thank you. He couldn't play anymore because of this condition. He said, I want to play the piano again. Brother Sines got up and told the man, sit down here, pointing to the piano bench. The man sat down and Sines laid hands on him and prayed, in Jesus' name, play. He looked at the man's hand still swollen. He said again, play. The man started to play as best he could. As he played, his hands began to shrink as the swelling disappeared. He kept playing. I never got to meet the man because he was older at the time of Azusa. Brother Sines told me that he returned to Hollywood Presbyterian and got his old job back as well as his life. Like many others, Sines was drawn to the power and anointing God had given Brother Seymour. Unlike others, Sines was on the platform with Seymour, and at least 50% of the time he was able to sit right next to him. That's a blessing. Amen. Brother Sines was obsessed with the box. The reason he would try to sit next to Seymour whenever possible was to get close enough to the box to see to to see and hear what was going on inside. It it did not matter if the box was on Seymour's head 10 minutes or one hour. During that time, Sines could not pay attention to anything else, observing the box and Seymour the entire time. He would sit there thinking, God, are you talking to this man or is he just sitting here waiting, listening or meditating? When Sines was out eating or fellowshipping with Seymour, he would ask him about what's going on in the box. (laughs) Seymour Seymour told him, (laughs) right. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I lost my. What it, Seymour told him that he was meditating, waiting on God. Seymour noted that when he would speak to God, he could hear himself talk, but it was always a whisper and always in tongues. Signs asked Seymour if he understood what he was saying in tongues, and Seymour responded, "Yes, he knew." He recalled that there was a glow around the box while it was on Seymour's head. He observed the glow, but told me he dared not touch Seymour or the box. (laughs) He was afraid of what would happen. He would lean over as close to the box as possible and just listen, but he could never get close enough to accidentally come in contact with the glow or the box. He recalled one of the miracles he observed that was performed through Seymour while the flames were shooting out of and in through the roof of the warehouse. So we, we, they described that yesterday. They said they would see a flame coming up from the floor of the warehouse and then another one coming down through the ceiling of the house. And that was when they got the most miracles. The whole place was full of Shekinah glory. That's what that is called, uh, where you see in the Old Testament where uh, they said the cloud was so thick they couldn't stand to minister. That's part of it. There's fire in it because the people at Azusa Street referred to it not so much of a cloud. It was a mist, and they said there was always like an orangish glow in it. So there was an element of fire to it as well. He said, and, and, 
you know from the Bible, God would appear to them as a fire. Sometimes he'd appear to them as a cloud. Uh, he said, uh, he recalled one of the miracles he observed that was performed through Seymour while the flames were shooting out of and in through the roof of the warehouse. The whole place was full of Shekinah glory. The miracle involved a man who had smoked a cigar all his life. He was, he always had one stuck in the corner of his mouth. The mouth grew cancerous where the cigar touched. Brother Sign said that it was eaten away and there was a hole in his cheek. There wasn't, what wasn't eaten away was black and rotten. Brother Seymour said, it's gotten some of your teeth too. How long does the doctor say you got to live? The man could hardly talk. He said, no more than a year. Seymour answered, now they're right, but God can change that. The man said, yes. Seymour slapped his hands on him, began to pray, and then took his hand away. The black was gone, and they watched missing gums, teeth, and flesh fill in where there was none before. Can you imagine that? Brother Signs observed many things from the platform, and he commented on young Ward's style and his silly facial expressions. Signs recalled that Ward was comical to watch, but that God worked through him in a mighty way. So, see, it's you can't really judge things. That's what religion will do. It'll judge any kind of movement that looks, you know, uh, dis, that it looks disapprovingly at as not being permissible. And this is why we don't get much done sometimes in the church is because people are always kind of trying to control it based on what they think is proper. Amen. But what God is looking for is results. Amen. What people want is results. He also commented that Brother Anderson must have been kin to the kangaroos the way he bounced around. He would watch Anderson get so excited that he would climb on a bench to see everything. When great miracles happened, he said that many times Brother Anderson would go berserk and wind up somewhere in the church not knowing how he got there, just moved by the Spirit, I guess. Brother Christopher, a young man around 18 years old, joined Brother Signs about six months after Signs came to Azusa. Christopher owned a Stradivarius violin and would bring it to Azusa to accompany Signs when he played the piano. I met Christopher while I was at Pisgah and actually lived in the dorm with him. I found him to be one of the most polite men I'd ever known. He was very small, frail, weighing about 110 pounds and standing about 5 foot 5. He was also one of the most trusting men I'd known. We lived with about 20 men in a dormitory and always about 5 or 6 of them were not saved because they had been taken off the streets. Now, Brother Christopher would simply uh, slide his Stradivarius under his bed. <laughs> Those men could easily have sold that priceless instrument for $10 on the street. So Brother Smith made him turn it in to him for safekeeping when Brother Christopher wasn't uh, practicing. By the time I met him, he was in his 70s but still had a head full of coal black hair. Yes, he was, <laughs> he was somewhat dark-skinned and told us that he was part Italian. Extremely shy and quiet, Brother Christopher didn't just talk. You had to pull words out of him. He and Signs were great friends and played many concerts together 
in the years following Azusa. In fact, Signs and Christopher went to Great Britain to play a command performance for a very distinguished woman named Queen Victoria of the House of Windsor. Y'all don't know her either. Queen Victoria sang some of the songs they played. She gave them very high honors and instructed them not to give the glory to themselves, but to God. Amen. Like signs, Christopher loved the music at Azusa and confirmed that the experience of singing in the spirit was unequaled by anything he had ever experienced in his musical career. An accomplished violinist, concert violinist, equal by few, he would share with me that when he played in the spirit, he played at a level he'd never achieved, even in his greatest concert. He, too, said that he would just watch his hands moving while hearing thousands of violins. Brother Christopher also talked about the Shekinah glory, told me that he even tried to bottle it. To his disappointment, there was nothing in the bottle the next day. (laughs) Brother Christopher was an observer. Because of his shyness, he didn't go out into the crowd. People seeking healing came up to him while he was on the platform. Christopher remarked that people must have thought he was someone important because he sat on the platform. He asked Brother Christopher, did anything happen to the people you prayed for? He would quietly say with a smile, oh yes, brother Tommy, oh yes. He finally told me about praying for a blind man whose wife had brought him to Azusa. The wife led her husband by his right hand while he held his white cane with red tip in his other hand. She brought the man up to Christopher and said, my husband is blind, heal him. Christopher quietly said, I can't heal him, but I can pray for him and Jesus will do the healing. She said somewhat demandingly, okay, do it. Brother, <laughs> Amen. Brother Christopher humbly and obediently prayed for the man. He was instantly healed. I asked, didn't that excite you and make you want to do more? He said, why, yes, I wish more would come, would have come to me. Brother Christopher told of a young man who had burned his arm at work. The arm was badly infected with gang, and green with gangrene. It was so bad that Brother Christopher said that his arm should have been amputated. Christopher prayed for him and told him to go home, clean the wound, and then bandage it. The man went home, cleaned and bandaged the burn, and came back the next night completely healed. Christopher was impressed with the man's willingness to be obedient to God's guidance and do what he was instructed to do. The following evening, when the healed man returned, Brother Christopher rejoiced with him as they celebrated the awesome miracle from God. One night, parents of the teenage boy were half half carrying him up to Brother Christopher. The boy had suffered a brain hemorrhage. I don't know if it was from an accident or what, but he had been this way for four or five years. Pitifully, they asked Brother Christopher, will God heal him? Yes, Brother Christopher answered and then asked, do I have your permission? He was a sweet little guy. The parents said, yes. He said, bring him to me. He started talking uh, to this teen. He started talking to this teen and the parents told him that the boy didn't know what he was saying. Surprisingly firm, Brother Christopher said, leave me alone. Do you want him healed? Then leave me alone. He explained he was talking, he explained he was talking to the boy, but he also wanted the devil to hear what he had to say. 
I don't care what anyone says, you're going to be delivered. That's how they talked at Azusa, completely confident in God. Brother Christopher said he got all bubbly and happy. You're going to be normal, and you're going to be used of God. Satan did this to you, but Satan is a liar. He's really nothing. Brother Christopher kept preaching because he wanted the devil to take note. Finally finally he said, now I'm going to lay hands on you and take authority over this and you're going to be delivered. Brother Christopher reached out and put his hands on the boy's head, pushed tightly and began to rebuke the damage the devil had done. He rebuked the hemorrhage, commanded all blood clots, everything to clear up. He demanded, not tomorrow, I want it done now in Jesus' name. The boy jerked and fell off the platform to the ground, kicking and jerking. Brother Christopher stood at the edge of the platform and looked at the parents who were upset. If you're in fear, go away, he told them. Then said that they were, they said they were okay. He assured them, just don't worry. Finally, the boy stopped jerking and kicking. And Brother Christopher commanded, now get up. The boy looked up at him and started trying to get up. He didn't remember how. Help him and walk him because the child doesn't know how to walk. He'll learn quickly. Just help him. Within 10 minutes, the boy was running, leaping, jumping, worshiping, and praising God. Forever changed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Forever changed, that boy went into the ministry when he became an adult. Christopher only performed a few miracles because of his shyness, say four or five a week compared to that many every day for the others, Carney, Size, Garcia, Anderson, and Dundee. However, they were mighty works of God and bore witness that if you were at Azusa and your heart was right, God found a way to involve you in his miraculous works. If something like shyness kept you from going to people, God in his marvelous ways would bring the people to you. Amen. Many times at Pisgah, I had the privilege of hearing Brother Sines play the piano and Brother Christopher play his violin. Sometimes my mind would meander to the days of Azusa. I would sit at Pisgah wondering what it must have been like to hear them play when God's Spirit took the music to a heavenly realm as the people sang a new song. I remember someone writing or saying that the music was like the very breath of God coming forth from human vocal cords. I could only imagine. All right, so we have here, say hello to Brother Anderson, Azusa, age 15. So he was 15 when he was uh, at Azusa Street. Just as the house at Bonnie Bray, so the crowds at the Azusa Street warehouse had grown from a handful of faithful followers to hundreds now gathering several times a day to witness and experience the miracles of Azusa and the anointing of Brother Seymour. Now, we mentioned yesterday that their pattern was to not shut down the meetings. They didn't close them. Uh, Brother Seymour, they said, preached three times a day for about, uh, they said, as many as, what, four hours or six hours each time. Then he would pray for eight hours a day. So he's a busy guy, amen. But but they kept it going. And in the meantime, other ministers that fed, led, felt led of God would come up and, and minister, preach, pray, whatever the Spirit of God led. And this is what made it so unusual. 
Because how many times have you gotten a bunch of preachers together and they fight over the mic, they, you know, get to preach over each other, correct each other when they preach and all of that. So it's kind of dangerous to <laughs> leave the mic unattended. But that was the way, <laughs> that was the way God wanted it. And it was, it, and everybody obeyed the spirit. That's the amazing thing to me. They just all, Nobody got out of line. Nobody tried to take the meeting over. I think after Seymour quit coming down with that box on his head and, and everything started, then you started seeing flesh manifest. People want to try and force it to keep going the way it was. But he was the leader of that movement, and nobody was able to take his place. Among those attending was a 15-year-old named Brother Anderson who attended the Azusa Street Revival faithfully. He was one of the first to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Azusa and be part of the mighty work of God. Although he was just a few inches under six feet tall, when the crowd gathered, Brother Anderson often found it difficult to see what was happening through the building as miracles were being performed by many of his teenage friends. The sight of Brother Anderson climbing on top of the benches was not uncommon. Like Zacchaeus of old, who climbed into the sycamore tree to get a better view of Jesus, Anderson wanted a better vantage point to witness the marvels and moves of God. I met Brother Anderson at Pisgah, where we became great friends. Whenever I would see him, whether at church or at his home, Brother Anderson would see me coming a block away and would come bouncing down the street saying well brother tommy i'm glad to see you and i was always glad to see him brother anderson had a medium build and shiny eyes that glowed his slicked black gray balding hair accented his ruddy complexion you could recognize him from afar because of the bounce in his walk remember brother steins jokingly considered him kin to a kangaroo i could see why Perhaps his most memorable characteristic was that he always had a beautiful smile on his face, was always bubbly and happy. In all the years I knew him, never once did I see him frown. I had the privilege of going to Brother Anderson's home about once a month on Thursday evenings. I would be at least a block away when he would come out to meet me halfway with a spring in his step and welcome me to his home. Unlike the ladies, Brother Anderson didn't have chocolate chip cookies. Uh. <laughs> Amen. He didn't have his cookies and milk for him. Amen. But, uh, amen. Amen. I think I missed up my, my page here messing around with him. We were talking about Brother Anderson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. He says, unlike the ladies, Brother Anderson didn't have homemade cookies, but he'd always have have cold milk and store-bought cookies waiting for me. (laughs) Other than that, he wouldn't come in. I still remember the way he would dress. He would have on a plain, long-sleeved shirt, buttoned all the way up, including the top button, and always tucked in. He wore slippers and regular slacks with a belt rather than suspenders. Out of respect, I would sit at his feet on a barren wooden floor as he settled into his vinyl-covered rocking chair. Perhaps settled in is not quite the way to describe this adventure. He didn't really sit in his chair. He would sit on the edge of it. 
When he began to tell his stories, he would throw his hands up, bounce in his chair, and excitedly explain different miracles he had seen or prayed for as, as at Azusa. As with all the saints, the sheer delight of what happened there was never dulled by the passing decades. The image of Brother Anderson and his home lives in my memory. He is this old man living in a sparsely decorated apartment with few furnishings. One picture hanging on the wall that stood out was of John G. Lake and Brother Anderson side by side in a picture taken about 60 years earlier. Although his possessions were few, this man was rich in priceless memories and invaluable experiences that gold could never buy. It was a sweet ritual. Tell me again about your days at Azusa. I would start, I, I would say to start the discussion. Brother Anderson would excitedly come to the edge of his chair, and as he began to, began his stories, you could feel his characteristic bounce in his words. Often his own personal experience was his starting point. Although he was born again before attending Azusa, there he received the gift of speaking in tongues shortly after the revival began. He recalled that when he spoke in tongues, he would do so in a loud voice, as if someone had turned up the volume. As soon as he blared out tongues, to his amazement and shock, someone interpreted what he was saying. When recalling the entire experience, he would describe it as being in heaven. He longed to see another revival like Azusa. From tongues to healing was a logical progression. Brother Anderson told me that many who were blind and deaf were healed and that he was part of many of those healings. Some were older people, some middle-aged, some were young, teenagers just like him. If he wasn't part of the miracle happening, he was most likely standing on a bench watching other miracles take place. He told me that he had attended Azusa only about ten times when God first used him in helping people receive healing. A young man not much older than Brother Anderson had a club foot, and when he entered the meeting, he tried to hide his disfigurement. He explained to Brother Anderson that he didn't want people feeling sorry for him. Brother Anderson asked the young man, Are you aware of the Shekinah glory? You don't have to have this. He went on to explain to the young man that Jesus, when he died on Calvary, received 39 stripes on his back, and those stripes were for this young man healing. The young man replied, But that was for sickness and disease. I just had my foot turned sideways. Brother Anderson replied, God will heal it. You should see some of the miracles here. The young man finally believed a miracle was possible, and Brother Anderson began to pray for him. To their astonishment, shortly after the prayer, the foot didn't just pop out, but rather it just started to slowly move outward. In a matter of minutes, the young man was jumping, running, and shouting. The foot had been deformed since he was a young child, and he had just and had just gotten worse as he grew older. Yet in just a few minutes, the foot was healed and perfectly formed. Brother Anderson was right behind this young man dancing and shouting also. This may have been the first time God used Brother Anderson to work a miraculous healing through faith and prayer, but it was far from the last. Brother Anderson recalled praying for a woman much older than he was with a big knot just above her wrist. She didn't even know what it was, but it hurt. 
When he asked her about the pain, she told him that she couldn't even work at home. Rather than lifting, she would scoot things with her arm. Brother Anderson told her that she didn't have to do that because Jesus would heal her. He reached out, barely touched the knot, and said, In the name of Jesus, be healed. In seconds, the knot was gone. Immediately, she got so excited that she started doing a dance right there on the spot, and Brother Anderson became her dance partner. (laughs) Amen. Remember the lady said she didn't dance. I'm a married woman. No, I didn't dance with him. (laughs) I was captivated by his stories. I asked him about the greatest or most unusual healing or miracle he had witnessed, and he told of a miracle that left me full of wonder. The younger woman named Diane, maybe in her late teens or early 20s, with two young children, walked into the revival meeting with her hand supporting a large growth or tumor about half the size of a basketball. It was on the side of her head. She looked pitiful. Before she could even get seated, people, including Brother Anderson, started surrounding her. Anderson told the woman that God was going to work a miracle for her. She kind of rolled her head and her eyes, but didn't say a word. She came to get a miracle, and all she could do was nod her head yes. As the people began to lay hands on her, the tumor or growth began to shrink. The woman was speechless. She stood there gasping and finally yelled, I'm healed. Through the grace of God, I got to meet Sister Diane while she was at Pisgah in the 60s. She wasn't obese, but she wasn't a little woman. She stood just under six feet tall with a broad face and marvelous spirit. I asked her about her healing, and here was what she shared with me. She had heard that things like miracles were happening at the Azusa Street Warehouse. She even saw the flames going up and coming down. So she thought to herself, what have I got to lose? I'm dying, and if I go there, so what? The doctors can't do anything. They can't operate because it's too big to be cut off, she said. So I waddled myself down to Azusa, holding my growth in my hands. A little embarrassed, she walked into the meeting. Shortly after the miracle happened, she remembered Brother Anderson being right in the middle of the miracle and just fell in love with him. That miracle not only saved her life, but also propelled her into a ministry that would impact thousands of people over the years. With just 25 cents to her name, she started a soup kitchen when she was in her early 20s and was still serving soup to the needy and downtrodden almost 60 years later when I met her. Of course, I always wanted to know more about Brother Seymour. Brother Anderson, too, was uh, more than willing to oblige. He loved when Brother Seymour would come down to the service. Young Anderson would sit near him and try to peek under the box to see if Seymour was praying at all. He would lean as far down as possible to try to see, but he could never peer under that box. Seymour would sometimes sit for ten minutes and sometimes for over an hour doing nothing but sitting with the box over his head. Anderson would spend the same amount of time fascinated by the box and watching Brother Seymour to see even if his hands or feet moved. Much like a statue, Seymour sat perfectly still most of the time he was under the box. Brother Anderson was in awe of Brother Seymour. He told me that Seymour was one of the sweetest men he had ever met. 
Tradition tells us that when Seymour got married to Jenny Moore, two women got upset because they felt he didn't have time for marriage with the return of Christ so imminent. These ladies got so upset that they stole his mailing list and ran off to Portland. That incident really upset young Anderson. Anderson was so inspired by Seymour that he tried to imitate him. A few times he would get up and say with youthful enthusiasm, Everybody in this section that needs healing, stand up and be healed. Anderson learned very quickly that the anointing God had put upon Brother Seymour could not be duplicated (laughs) except as God willed. Anderson would go back to laying hands on people needing miracles. So it didn't work for him. Young Anderson believed that Seymour was a man of faith who never doubted anything. Amen. Every time he opened his mouth and said something, it happened. I learned from Brother Anderson that Seymour was a brilliant preacher. Seymour would come out with phrases so intelligent and profound, yet simple enough that the most uneducated could understand him. The wisdom of this man was phenomenal. The greatest thing that impressed Anderson was when the spirit would fall on Seymour and he would start working the gifts. Anderson would get up on the benches so he could see Seymour talking to the people. Quite a few times, Seymour would point to to maybe a dozen or so people with what looked like rheumatoid arthritis and say, You want to see a miracle over there? Every one of you within a few minutes is going to be up and walking in the name of Jesus. And every one of them, you could hear their bones popping, would be up shouting and their legs and arms and hands straightened out. A few times Anderson witnessed Seymour perform one-on-one healings. One such healing stood out in Anderson's memory. A man whose face was deformed with small growths all over it came to Brother Seymour. The deformed man looked very homely and ugly. Brother Seymour prayed for him, and immediately the growths began to fall off his face, restoring his face and making him whole. Volunteers had come to clean up those growths that had fallen from the man's face to the floor. As long as Seymour was there, young Anderson didn't shout or dance. His eyes were totally fixed on Seymour. That's a good thing. You know, people, if you've noticed what what God wants you to notice, you'll get something. Anderson confirmed that this power stayed with Seymour until the time he stopped placing the box over his head. After talking about Seymour, the transition to the Shekinah glory was logical. I asked Brother Anderson to describe what the Shekinah glory was like, and he again brightened up as he came to the edge of his rocker. Anderson told me that the Shekinah glory was hard to explain because it could only be described but not understood. At times, he would come into the building and there would be a kind of glow. There were times when God would start moving and working, and a smoke-like substance would begin to glow even brighter. People could walk through it. Sometimes it was, and sometimes it was sort of roll. You couldn't take a fan and blow it out, nor was it something you could pick up. Brother Anderson confessed that he tried because it looked so tangible. He remembered that at times the mist would get so thick that it would fill the whole building. Even Seymour was fascinated with the heavy mist that filled the room. 
In fact, there were times that Seymour would take his feet and kind of play with the thick cloud. Brother Anderson was awed by the glory and described it as a part of heaven coming down. You could walk in it, sit down in it, run your hands through it, breathe it into your lungs, but you could not capture it. I pressed Brother Anderson to tell me about the fire. He said it looked like flames about 50 feet in the air, coming down into and going up out of the roof to meet and merge in the sky over the warehouse. Young Anderson would just stand there with his mouth open. He didn't know how to explain it, but it was real. He told me the burning bush described by Moses finally made sense. Like the other saints, Anderson noted that whenever the people worshipped by singing in tongues, the power was greater and the anointing fell on the service. One of the favorite traditional songs sung by the saints gathered at Pisgah was intricately linked to their encounter with God's glory. The song they sang with great enthusiasm was appropriately entitled, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. Before the stories ended, I wanted to know about the other teenagers Anderson hung around with at Azusa. Much like Sister Carney, Anderson remembered both Ralph Riggs and C.W. Ward being a part of the group of young people who went around praying for people to be healed and being used by God to perform his miracles. Anderson recalled a story about Ward that he had thought that he thought was somewhat comical. Ward had a unique way of praying for somebody. He would swing his hips and go through all sorts of dramatic gestures. It was almost a theatrical production. He would do these big, long prayers, swing his shoulders and hips and yell out, In the name of Jesus. I asked Brother Anderson if God used Ward to bless others. Anderson would smile and say, Well, they did get healed. Ward was young, just like the rest of them, and was going through his teenage years. Although his actions may not have been conventional, those years at Azusa prepared both Ward and Riggs to be powerful vessels for God in the future. They both formed the um, Assemblies of God denomination. <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier, young Anderson also became friends with John G. Lake. One of Anderson's prized possessions was a picture of himself and Lake that still hung on his living room wall six decades after Azusa. Brother Anderson's visit, vivid recollection of his personal encounters with miracles and the Shekinah glory made Azusa come alive for me once again. The timeless excitement of all these saints never faded, but remained shiny and new and allowed me to capture the awe experience during this unprecedented revival. Praise God. What kind of time we get? Oh, okay, cool. All right, so these are the Riggs family. It says, say hello to brother and mother Riggs, Azusa ages 12 and 35. I had a unique opportunity in this story. I not only was able to meet Ralph Riggs, who was only 12 when he came to Azusa Street, but I also came to know his mother as well, a double portion blessing. I met Mother Riggs at Pisgah in 1960. I must confess that she made the best. (laughs) Bar none, and she made them big and round. 
<laughs> Mother, I guess he liked them round. He was round. Mother Riggs was in her mid-30s when she was at Azusa. By the time I met her, she was in her 90s. She told me that she mainly watched Ralphie, the nickname that wasn't Ralph's favorite, run around and be used of God. Isn't that a blessing? Have God use one of your children and perform miracles through them? Ralph and his best friend, C.W. Ward, didn't complain that they had to be at church. In fact, they they preferred to be in church rather than anywhere else. Wouldn't that make any mother proud? Mother Riggs wasn't just a spectator. She, too, was actively involved in healings and miracles, spent much of her time with Sister Carney. Although she mainly participated with others, God also used her when she was by herself. Mother Riggs had bright, beady eyes that would just glow as she started talking about Azusa, and they glowed even brighter as she told her stories. She told me of her experience with about a dozen elderly people who reminded her of her parents. They were all brought to the meeting in wheelchairs and didn't have any major deformities or diseases they were just old and feeble she learned well from sister carney about expecting miracles and if anybody in a wheelchair needed to be ministered to she would put the footrest up before she prayed for the person immediately after the prayer these frail old people got up hooked their arms together and began to dance <laughs> i guess they held up each other for a minute okay wasn't no solos out there on the floor yet Amen. They began to dance. Mother Riggs was so thrilled to see old people up dancing and worshiping the Lord that she joined right in. Mother Riggs told me that she also prayed for a man who could put, couldn't put any weight on his ankle due to the pain. She asked him, did you come to be healed? He told her, well, everybody is getting healed here, they tell me. They just said, come and get healed, and I want my ankle healed. She laid hands on his head and prayed for him. Within moments, the ankle that had been twisted popped out and was healed. He stood up and began to dance and shout, and Mother Riggs just marveled at the miracle. Like all the others, Mother Riggs loved the Shekinah glory. She told me that the main thing she missed was the power of the mist or cloud as it glowed. She was convinced that the glory they experienced was part of heaven, and she was walking in it, living it, and breathing it. She was also convinced that the abundance of miracles happened because of the Shekinah glory and the presence of God in the meetings. I loved her stories, and I loved the fact that she not only supported her son, but she also was right there with him as he enjoyed being used of God. On occasion, Ralph Riggs would stop by Pisgah to visit his mom. I met him when he was in his 70s after God had used him mightily to advance his kingdom. During four of those visits, I had the honor of spending time with him. As mentioned early in this book, Ralph and C.W. Ward were instruments in founding the Assemblies of God Church. Even though I knew he had stories in abundance about the Assemblies of God, I wanted to know about Azusa and his teenage years there. Brother Riggs told me that he appreciated the fact that he wasn't just a spectator watching older people do miracles. God also used him. He was given the liberty to go to anyone and everyone who wanted he wanted to pray for them. And to also his astonishment, they all got healed. 
He wasn't quite 12 at the time of Azusa. He experienced Azusa with his best friend, C.W. Ward, who was two years his senior. Tommy, <clears throat> Tommy, C.W. and I couldn't wait to get to church in the evenings. When most kids don't want to go to church, we couldn't wait to get to church and have this fun of getting people healed and delivered. Amen. If it's just dull and religious, it's not much fun, folks. But when God is there and he's allowed to do what he wants to do, it's wonderful. Riggs noted that each of them had six or more miracles or healings every night. I asked Brother Riggs about the kids he hung around with at Azusa. He told me that Sister Carney was his favorite. He commented, you kind of did what she told you to do. No one appointed her to be in charge. She just was a natural leader. Riggs also told me he loved to talk to and play with Brother Anderson. And, of course, there was Brother Ward. I asked When I asked Brother Riggs about his most memorable miracle, he shared a few of his many, many experiences. He recalled one where this old woman came to the church in a wheelchair because some disease had paralyzed her from the waist down. Ralph was just shy of his 13th birthday, so he was only 12. He got all excited when he, when he saw her. Why were you excited, I asked. She reminded me of my grandmother, he said. The woman became a little testy with him because he was trying to pick up her feet to put up the flaps. You don't understand the Carney rule. We must put the flaps up before you, we pray for you because you're going to be healed. You're going to jump out of your wheelchair and run. She protested in disbelief. Now listen to me, he said. You have to stop griping and nagging and going on. We're going to pray for you and you're going to be healed. (laughs) Don't argue with us. This is Azusa Street. You see the glory here? You're going to be healed. She didn't say any more and sat there looking at him. He prayed for her. He had to pray for her twice and pray hard. Finally, he reached out and laid his hands on her backbone and her hip. All of a sudden, she popped. Little Ralph said, take off running, and she looked at him. I said, take off running, and she jumped up and took off. (laughs) Amen. What did you do, I asked. Mama and I took off with her, she said, but we we couldn't outrun her. A 12-year-old boy couldn't outrun a grandma. I just love that. Amen. His most memorable miracle was this large, gawky guy in his early 20s who stood over 6'5 and weighed over 250 pounds. He came into the meeting with booze on his breath, slurring his words and reeking of stale alcohol. Riggs felt a voice inside him saying, pray for him. Brother Riggs went over to the man and realized that not only had he been drinking, but he was also blind. Somewhat stunned, Riggs looked at him and said, you can't see, can you? The man said, no, that's what I came here for. Riggs, now somewhat more compassionate, prayed for him, and he was instantly healed. Not only were his eyes healed, even the stench of liquor was gone. The man just sat for a while crying and sobbing and finally said, well, it's true. It's true. I'm healed. He was a homeless, blind alcoholic restored through the miraculous power of God. Later in life, this man was used of God to preach revivals and establish many Pentecostal and Assemblies of God churches across the Midwestern United States. 
Riggs noticed that he had the privilege of visiting many of these churches in his travels with the Assemblies of God. As a matter of fact, the first assembly of Chickasaw, Oklahoma, that I attended many times was started by this man, just a blind drunk on Skid Row. Brother Riggs also told of his one and only mass healing. A group of people came from a retirement home and had minor problems like aching joints. That's minor if you don't have them, if your joints ain't aching, amen. Riggs decided he would try a Seymour and have a mass healing. He looked at them and said, every one of you are now going to be healed in the name of Jesus. Now all of you be healed. Unlike every other time he tried to mimic Seymour and fail, this time Riggs witnessed a mass healing as the joints cracked and were restored. Although God used Brother Riggs in countless miracles, he chose to share only one last story. Two people, a husband and wife, came in wheelchairs, pushed by their teenage children. They were both very sick and had either pneumonia or really bad colds. Brother Ralph went over to them and asked, Did you come down here tonight believing God is actually going to heal you? The husband said yes. Riggs began to pray for them, but stopped suddenly as he remembered the Carney rule. He put up the footrest before finishing his prayer. This stage was now set for God to work a miracle. Riggs got between the couple, placed his hands on both their foreheads and prayed, commanding them to be healed in the name of Jesus. They both had terrible fevers. The first thing Riggs noticed was that their temperatures went down. Within moments, the woman began to shake and shortly was up running. The man just stood up, raised his hands, and screamed in a very loud voice, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God had healed them instantly. Most of the time, the Shekinah glory was spoken of with reverence, but there was one time Brother Riggs revealed a lighter side. He told me that when Seymour would come down from his apartment, the Shekinah glory would get so thick that you could hardly see the ground. With a sly smile, he confessed that when it was that thick, he and Ward would get in the back of the room and play hide-and-seek in the mist. (laughs) My mind would wander back to his days at Azusa, and I could picture him running around full of life as he and the other youth were involved in this awesome outpouring of God. Since they were young teenagers at Azusa, I asked him if he ever tried to put Seymour's box on his head. He said, with great respect, nobody touched Seymour's box, even when he wasn't down there. It was sacred. I asked him to seriously talk to me about the Shekinah glory. Brother Riggs explained that the experience much like Explain the experience much like his mother did. I tasted a bit of heaven. Ward and I would, would talk and share what that Azusa must have been what heaven is like. God must have sent some part of heaven down here. One day when I was with Mother Riggs, she said, Now, Tommy, tell my stories back to me. She had told me her stories four times. I said, Okay. I sat down and told them to her. She said, You got them down pretty perfectly. That's good. I said, okay, but I don't want to quit coming. Well, tonight I'm going home, she answered. Back to Mississippi? No, Tommy, I'm going home. She was almost a 100. The next day, Brother Smith called me over to Mother Riggs' house. He said, the sisters are telling me that Mother Riggs said she was going home last night. They said they even heard her telling you she was going home. 
I said, yeah, what's going on? She's dead. Come in here. Look at her. We walked into her bedroom. She was lying there with her arms folded and a big smile on her face. I looked at him and said, she looks happy. He said, she went home. The Shekinah glory she sorely missed was now hers forever to enjoy. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I just wanted to kind of prepare you and whet your appetite for our three days in the glory this week. Amen. Praise God. So if we can go taking faith with us and have faith for the power of God to do the unusual, the instantaneous, the miraculous, and more and more and more of it, and for people to get there, uh, then I know God will show up because he wants to do this. Amen. He's no respecter of persons. He uses whoever he will, that will let uh, him use them. Just be obedient to the instructions that you're given. Amen. Because you don't want to cause uh, God's spirit to lift because it lifts so easily if people aren't really obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we're expecting great things. Amen. God is going to do great things in our midst. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So um, uh, we're going to uh, pray. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you before we adjourn. And <clears throat> We'll expect the miraculous for you. Praise God. Amen. Praise God.